Hi friends. You're listening to the I'm Proud of You podcast. And if this podcast episode sounds a little bit less of a peppy intro, that's because it really is. And it's not really a super like lighthearted episode in this one. It just didn't feel right to post an episode about anything other than what's going on in our country right now and the racial injustice and everything that goes along with it it just needs to be addressed on I feel any platform possible I know I have a small platform but any platform is still somewhere to share and somewhere to let others voices be heard and that's what I aim for with this episode so I brought back my friend Ray Kim He's a friend from college, and we hopped on Zoom again, and we just had a chat. And I'm not going to draw this intro out. I'm not going to do my I'm proud of me moments or anything like that, because I just want to get right into the conversation. And there's a lot of tangible takeaways that Ray talks about, and just really insightful and really level-headed approach to this whole situation. And I really appreciate Ray for coming on and taking the time to talk with me and just to share his thoughts, feelings, anything like that. So with that, we'll get right into the conversation and I hope you guys enjoy. So um, I'm here with uh, my friend Ray Cam again and I couldn't really think of anything else to put in this podcast to kind of put out that would really sit with me right rather than really um talking about the topic that's so like prevalent in our everyday world like I always want to say world I I did like this is a little tangent without even starting the podcast but I was doing like a little like journaling this morning and I'm so like my knee-jerk reaction is to like say the whole world because I think it's also because like COVID and everything and it's like the entire world but like it's kind of scary to me that it's just basically America that this is like it's just our country so Mm -hmm. yeah that's just a side little tangent and so anyway I'm joined by Ray Kim again because I really didn't know who else to who else better to bring on in my life than him because I know our last our last conversation was so powerful and yeah I just I didn't really, typically for the podcast, I kind of plan out all like my questions and then I put little notes and I like try to not micromanage them, but plan them out like a bit more than I did with this one. But with this one, I really didn't know where to go with planning. So I have like a few questions, but I really just want to make it kind of a platform for Ray to voice his feelings and emotions and just anything else that he wants to kind of put out into the world. And yeah, so we'll get into our conversation. So how are you, Ray? I know I already asked. <laughs> that was a great introduction. Thank that you for that. Introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, I liked it a lot, Casey. Thank you so much. And yeah. um, I'm feeling okay right now. Um, since I mentioned this briefly, uh, the last time we had met up, um, still dealing with the symptoms, mm-hmm. but it comes and goes. And um, yeah, I've been getting a lot of things tested from my blood work to, oh, I got tested for Corona twice. Um, I got my EKG and my x-ray. So good news is I'm 
I'm good. I'm clear. Yeah. I, I was testing negative, but they do think it's still anxiety that's causing my body to act this way. Yeah. So I've just, I, since we last spoke, I started seeing a therapist and that has definitely helped, helped me make some progress. So, you know, overall, I'm pretty good. good. Um, now as a black person mm-hmm. in America, um, honestly, it's kind of, I feel like in between right now, it's kind of, I don't, it's, it's, it's complicated. I don't really know how to feel because on one hand, I'm kind of happy that, you know, people, especially non-Blacks, are posting about this stuff. Um, they're even making posts about white privilege and how racism is more than just an attitude or behavior. It's other things, too. It's also just access to certain stuff. It's um, it's things that you don't have you things you have the privilege to not think about you know like i would say like one example i you know talk to my just talking to my friends in bloomsburg like i just remember having conversations with like our friend group and saying like you know i don't think you guys growing up i mean they can correct me if i'm wrong like and maybe you can correct me too if you're wrong how we could talk about how you grew up with the police mm-hmm. um i was always taught to respect them especially since like my relatives one of my relatives is a um a law enforcement for NYPD. Um, but it was like, it was a lot of emphasis on me being careful because I'm a target. Um, you know, it's like, no matter how old you are, um, if you are a black, especially a black boy, you're going to be seen as a threat. You know, I remember just um, Tamir Rice getting shot, you know, years ago and he was only 13. And for what? Because he was playing with a toy gun in public. So, it's just like we grew up in different worlds because of racism. It, it affects um, our outlook on police. It affects our outlook even on the medical on the medical field because you know past practices. Like for instance, just like the fact that a lot of medical fields in like the early 1900s, early to mid 1900s, basically um, infertilized black women black and brown women to prevent them from procreating um we could use the Tuskegee airmen the Tuskegee experiments as an example not the Tuskegee airmen my apologies the Tuskegee experiment as an example and how they purposely gave black soldiers black men in general syphilis to conduct an experiment to see so you just see how over centuries we've just been we haven't been valued as much as we should, in spite of our contributions. You know, the fact that, like, the fact that um, we have benefited to, we have benefited America so much since its very incarnation, and we still do not have as much recognition as we get, deserve. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. And so, with that being said, it makes me happy that we're finally talking about these things, that we're still acknowledge, we're acknowledging these things right now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like I don't I feel like because of the internet and because of our attention spans being short and just as I think as a result of you know the digital age I fear that we're not going to talk about this as much in a few weeks from now or a few months from now I fear that we're not going to have the same energy the same um vigor when we're discussing this kind of stuff so I'm kind of in the fence with that right now yeah but, yeah. yeah I like how you were just saying about how you're afraid it's just going to be almost like kind of like a trend. Which, yeah. 
again, like it shouldn't be a trend. I'm just kind of not, like, not to compare it to something completely different, but just the, even the trends like the, the fires and um, the Amazon and the whole mm. thing, just kind of how those trends like arose, like obviously like they're important too, but I definitely see this one. It's definitely sticking around longer than those ones are, but is it sticking around long enough, which it should stick around kind of forever. Cause like what you, what you just, just described about like the medical field and I knew about a lot of stuff because I have been listening to a lot more podcasts that are just informative and just trying to educate myself all around as best as I can. And mm -hmm. just how they just treat like those like blacks as objects and not human beings, like the whole syphilis on art on people in the military, like, how I don't understand how people have a beating heart and can do that to another human being. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. Like, do you have, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. I, I don't even know like what words to, that's kind of why I didn't plan out like a ton for this episode because I don't really know how to put it into words without sounding, um, and like insensitive or ignorant mm. or anything like that. So, cause I know I am ignorant to a lot of the thing, like things that you probably are in your everyday life that aren't in mine. And I acknowledge that I do have privilege and I've really been reflecting on that like this whole past, however many days it's been, but we should always kind of reflect on our privilege. It shouldn't, someone's life shouldn't have to be lost or multiple lives shouldn't have to be lost for us to like wake up and actually take action into this and actually see how how unfair our country treats someone just for the sole fact of their skin color which they can't you can't change what skin mm -hmm. you were born with and it, yeah it just boggles my mind and yeah yeah i know i definitely understand that to what to one of the things you said just about um you know it's kind of hard for you to imagine how um how hard it is for you to understand why people people of color are treated the way they do honestly i've i think one reason why is because um i think it's because a lot of is a result of just being privileged i think when I think when um, some white people, um, especially politicians, um, doesn't matter whom, uh, when they see that we're make we're trying to um, bring about racial equality or racial equity, like it all depends on what your goals are, but they interpret that as not as being equal, but people of color's interest being put over others' interests. Over their interests, exactly. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's being fearful of, a, of the power, of a power dynamic um, shifting, you know? Mm -hmm. I've met actually people in Bloomsburg that said white people are oppressed. So you really could see, like, how fearful they are of things turning. And the thing is, though, um, I think that's an ad hominem. Most people that are pro-black um, are not anti-white. 
we don't want to <laughs> we don't want to overthrow you mm-hmm. in this said power dynamic. We just want to have the same footing, at least as close as we can. Mm-hmm. Now, I will admit, because of slavery, and you know, because of how generational wealth works, we'll never be equal, fully equal to white people. But the goal is to be as equal as possible. Mm-hmm. And maybe the the goal is to shift from equality to equity. Mm-hmm. You know, some I think that's something that everyone can get behind if they understood. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, I also think when it comes to racism, you know, just the fact that you know this is a really this is a relatively recent construct. Um, bless you. Um, sorry, just but my sister's knees. Um, you know, I remember one scholar. He actually came to Bloomsburg for Beyond the Fountain. It was a great time. And to those who, to the listeners who go to Bloomsburg and will go to Bloomsburg after the outbreak, definitely go to Beyond the Fountain whenever you can. It's uh, it's an event held once a year. Um, and it just discusses racism in Bloomsburg and in the country in general and what we can all do about it, whether you're Black, white, Latino, Asian, specific, specific Islander, it doesn't matter who you are. We all still play a part in it. But... I remember this scholar had talked about why racism was made in the first place. It was really to give, from his perspective, it was really to give working class white people a false sense of control. Um, you know, it's because ultimately racism disguises the true issue in class and classism. Um, now it's kind of funny because it's like, I see racism and classism now. It's like, see, if you're like a big music fan, see racism as like a subgenre to classism as the main genre. Mm-hmm. But just after centuries of us moving on, the subgenre gained a life of its own and became its own genre. So it's really interesting seeing this evolution. But I feel like it's still closely related to classism because I feel like when we talk about racial um, progress being made, you know, in terms of like laws being made, Mm -hmm. um, it's usually been done to benefit white people too. The re like, I don't think you, I mean, people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for the most part, it's usually been done because it shows that this can affect everybody. You could take, the Emancipation Proclamation as a textbook example right there. Abraham Lincoln didn't care about the morals of having slaves. It was to, the Civil War happened just to, main, just to maintain dominance, was a union's way to maintain, maintain dominance over the, the rebel states. Mm-hmm. That was basically it. And they knew that slavery was a big part of the Southern economy. So they abolished slavery to kind of um, put the South in a chokehold in a way. Like they had no choice but to go back into the union. Mm-hmm. Um, that also, when it comes to say voting rights, um, I know you've heard about literacy tests in the Reconstruction era. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that also affected poor white people in the South too, because you know a lot, a lot of them weren't educated, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. So, but the reason why they did away with that was because they knew whites couldn't vote. And they needed that in order to maintain a power dynamic mm-hmm. um, between whites and blacks. It's also just a reason why, like, even if you look at the history of what does it mean to be white, you know, Italians and Irish people weren't considered white in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. That was never the case. 
but they only considered them so to, to prevent black people from gaining more political power. Mm-hmm. You've also seen it too with first wave feminism. You know, a lot of advocates of feminism argue that, you know, white women should be able to vote because that vote will be going to the white people. That's maintaining their political power in that sense. So it's always been about power to them. Mm-hmm. To get, you know, and to get back to this whole thing, it's like, I think that's what a lot of people are fearful of. And so when we see, when they see anything that threatens that said power dynamic, they're, they're going to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that, you know, that makes sense. I don't, I don't want to go on and on and like mm-hmm. tangent. Um, oh, no, you're fine. But yeah, so I, um, that's what I kind of think about that. Like to, mm-hmm. to um, one of your, to what you said. No, but, I- um, what were you about to say? My apologies. Oh, no, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. That's um, those are my thoughts on just why uh, people are willing to treat people as like inhuman. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's just because of fear. Yeah, I definitely just everything you said there. I don't even know. There's like so many different routes I can take off of that, but. I think going back to how you said it's all about power and the whole, I think it just also just really hurts their egos too. all these people who say, who are preaching all lives matter. And when this is, I think that's the most insensitive thing that you can say right now. And the most ignorant thing you can say right now, in in my opinion, at least. And I think those people who keep preaching that keep saying that they're really just worried about their egos being hurt. And yeah, this is the time to put your ego. I've said this so many times or written it, written it so many times. It's time to put your ego aside. This isn't a time to worry about your ego. This is a time to just worry about human beings in our society and how the construct of it, like how you described it, literally everything. It's just, it's so messed up. And it's not like, it's not something that's just came about in the past couple of weeks. Like it's been like this for like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I started, I finally, finally, watched i started to at least watch um this the movie 13th on yeah yesterday and about halfway through it and it's it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot to take in but Uh (laughs) i'm glad i'm watching it because i didn't know about a lot of that stuff so i think really just people educating themselves and there's there's no excuse to not be educated at this point with all that we have yeah and literally it took me like maybe five minutes to go down like a rabbit hole on instagram to find all like people of color who are creators various creators of like artists musicians anyone it literally took me five minutes and we all know we can go down a rabbit hole on instagram it's just shifting what that rabbit hole is and being conscious of it instead of just falling into like the mindless one that we always go down where it's the typical white body, able-bodied people that we're always seeing, like just diverse, like I always want to do this and I need to do it myself. So I sound like a hypocrite saying it, but like just diversify your feed and it might feel kind of like uncomfortable at first, but stick with the uncomfortable, like nothing in life that's good comes from your comfort zone. So I feel like people just, yeah, I mean, myself included, just need to get out of our comfort zone and get uncomfortable and 
that's kind of what I'm doing now is by talking about this a lot more because it's a topic I'm not super confident in. And that's just like the honest truth. And a lot more people are saying that. And I'm really glad that we're speaking out about that. But is that really enough? I know we're doing a lot, but is it enough really? Well, I think with the outbreak going on, what we're doing right now is enough to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, I don't speak for everyone else, but I think this is really the best thing we could do for now. Mm -hmm. I think when things get back to normal, when it's safe to be outside, I think it's time to take it um, to politics, to be honest, because um, honestly, well, I I think first we we do need to establish, you know, to get to what you said, Mm -hmm. this isn't the best we could have right now because I think there isn't really an end goal in sight. I ha- at least I haven't seen that on social media mm-hmm. with many advocates posting. It's like, you know, yes, Black Lives Matter. Yes, we deserve to be treated equally as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are we trying to do exactly? Because there's so, you know, even just the fact that there's an equality index, like it, it depends so much on different things. Do we want, um, you know, do we want financial equality between Blacks and whites? You know, like, and that'll be a valid reason because if you look at the average um, income of a white family versus the average income of a black family, there's still a wide gap in between them. You know, so if you wanted to get that, let's figure ways to get that. Mm-hmm. If you want to stop police brutality, let's figure ways to get that. So I guess um, I maybe I, I could see someone would be like, "Oh, that's kind of too simplistic. You're kind of reducing it to one particular issue when there's so much." I'm like, well, that's what I think exactly what we should do because they're all interconnected. It's probably best to start be willing to start off with one issue. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a good reason. And I think th- this kind of reminds me of a conversation I've seen a lot of people, like a lot of people have on social media where it's like, oh, if you're like, you should, oh, everyone should be posting and protesting and doing stuff like that. It's like, well, activism comes in many forms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's like we should all attack different things. Um, so, like, yeah, I think um, we should, like, I don't know, in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement, or if we're going to make a, a new movement for this for younger kids or college-age kids, I don't know. But I think there should be an objective established. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, for me personally, like, I would love to concentrate on police reform. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like police culture is toxic. Mm-hmm. They are held to very low standards and that's because of certain laws in place, not even just the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I was actually talking to Kirsten today about just um, um, quali- um, qualified immunity mm-hmm. that protects cops um, when they're being tried in court. Mm-hmm. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, body cams, mandated body cams can play a part. Mm-hmm. Um, not They can't play a part alone, but I think that could help if you combine it with, say, you know, better training with police. I think cops need to have better cultural awareness, especially if they're going to be in a predominantly Black city. Mm-hmm. What's the point of having a white person that may come from a rural area and serving mostly black urban people? That mm-hmm. makes no sense if they're not culturally trained. 
Um, because the thing is, like, you know, culture does play a big part in things. It, you know, it influences how we communicate certain stuff. And so, like, I think a good reason, uh, I think a reason why a good portion of these things occur where, you know, um, a Black person or a civilian in general is treated poorly is because they don't, this, the cops only understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. They they may interpret what they're doing as a sign of a threat, but it's not actually what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna say, I'm gonna take use myself as an as an example, right? Um, this is just an observation. Um, growing up, you know, coming from a black and Puerto Rican family, I talked a lot with my hands. Um, you know, that's just how I talk. Mm-hmm. But there were many times when in Bloomsburg, I've remember just talking to people or people watching me talk to others and they thought I was upset or mad but I'm like no I'm not mad at all mm-hmm. it's just when I get very interested in the topic I'm going to talk a lot with my hands mm-hmm. you know so if you know cops are people too and cops are ignorant just like like we all are like you mentioned mm-hmm. um like you mentioned you know so it's like you're gonna really a cop cops really need to educate themselves and I also think what could aid with cultural training and awareness is more representation in law enforcement. You know, a good friend of mine told me that, you know, when her dad was a cop back in the day in the 90s in Miami, mind you, a predominantly Latino community, mm-hmm. there were different units. And um, there were different units. And there was actually a Latino police unit and there was a white police unit. Of course, they didn't call it a white police mm-hmm. unit but you guess you catch the drift though mm-hmm. and i just thought to myself that's so ridiculous like why would you why would you divide police officers based off race mm-hmm. it makes no sense so and it doesn't help the people that you're working with mm-hmm. so you know i it's a lot of stuff honestly sorry for going on and on no, but it's just very fun. Very frustrating. Yeah, there's but so yeah, those are my thoughts. There's just so many different, like you said, so many like subtopics kind of underneath this whole overarching topic to just yes. dive into. And police brutality is definitely one that I, oh God, it's just been, it's at like the forefront and nothing is like being done really about just like the whole like police brutality and like what you were saying about how you were talking um what what fact did you speak out about how they're like protected under like whatever laws whatever ridiculous laws up, are upheld like again like for them that mm-hmm. i think one that i heard and i might be misquoting this but they can't fire someone they can release them without pay for three days, but they can't fire mm-hmm. them within those three days. So action can't be taken within those three days to get that cop fired. And mm-hmm. I think that's ridiculous. Like if there's wrongdoing, they should be fired right then and there. Does any yeah. cop do that? Like if you if you messed up at your like job at, I don't know if you're like a mechanic or working at a restaurant, like if you mess up and you mess up real bad, do you get like, oh, go home for three days and then we'll determine afterwards? It's like, no, you get fired right there. 
yeah. or within sooner than three days. What do you need to process over three days? If they did something wrong, they did something wrong. Fire them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but at this point, like, uh, I just heard a quote on a podcast also yesterday that really stuck with me is we hear so many things about, oh, it's just one bad apple. It's just one bad, like, cop. It's like, no, it's a whole, it's a whole goddamn bad bushel. Uh-huh. I'm not saying, I don't, I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but we keep making the excuses for them that, oh, it's just this one bad cop. It's just this one bad cop. It happens, like, with any job field. It's just one bad person that ruins it for everyone. Like, if it's one bad person, why does it keep happening? Mm-hmm. No, I definitely do. Like how you said they're held to such, like, low standards. low standards, but then they're put on such a high pedestal. Yes, yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to me. And how you said that they were divided, and in the own, in the police force themselves, they're divided. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's like um, all human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a way, it's like I can't. I'm actually fascinated um, about the future. I, I think um, how race won't be as much of a big deal to our um, descendants as it is to us right now. You know, I'm really curious to see how, like, you know, when they look back in the history books and they see everything that's been going on you know, since America's um, inception, you know, I wonder how they're going to really feel about that. They may really look down upon us because we still, we're just really, we're critiquing each other. We're against each other for something we can't even control. Mm-hmm. So like you said, um, that has, has no bearing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think how you said yeah, no. there's no like, end goal kind of for us and yeah I think tying it back around to is it about politics or is it about people and I think really at this point it's kind of like a mixture of both because it is definitely I've been I've been like wrestling with this idea about how it's not a political issue it's a human rights issue but so much of our human rights issues sadly are tied into politics which really shouldn't be but they got murkied somehow and now they're all combined together and I think there's really no like end goal in sight because those in current political seat important seats they're not taking it seriously and on social media Mm -hmm. we're basically I think everyone's just trying to make the message heard that like we care about this and we're not standing for this anymore like I think our generation is definitely the one that's not going to put up with any of this shit anymore. And I really hope yeah. going back, like to, I was saying about how it's a trend. I really hope that it's, it's not just a trend and just fades back into the abyss at some point yeah. in the coming like weeks or so. Cause it shouldn't, it should be talked about all the time. And yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, the only reason why I was kind of like, I'm still a little bit cynical is just because of this has happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with, um, you know, the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. We were talking about that forever, mm-hmm. but there was still no ma- changes made, nothing substantial. You know, they're still, they're still going through it. Mm-hmm. Flint's still having it. Um, the people of Flint are still drinking, having lead in their water. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, that's just ridiculous to me. But, um, I mean, I think, though, maybe the reason why it's lasted longer, this outrage, um, this, discuss- this dialogue, is because I think because, you know, we're in our houses all day mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we have no other choice but to look at that. Um, it's like, I could, I think really this is probably one of the best aspects of, of the outbreak if that's, if this is the case, like we're not just moving on mm-hmm. from topic to topic so quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think that's cool. But, um, I also think it's because like, um, it makes me think that the fact that, you know, we're, we're in an outbreak right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're all equally fearful about this virus. You know, you know, maybe some are more f- so fearful than us. We're all equally affected by this virus. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that like people are still getting killed off the base on basis of their skin color. Mm-hmm. You know, when this a time that people should be coming together now more than ever because this is threatening. This virus is threatening um, our mortality. Mm-hmm. The fact that that still happened that just shows you that we really need to get shit done now yeah i would have never expected that we have as much violence as we've seen these past few weeks never i mean i've seen an increase in crime and robberies which is understandable because people are using the masks the the face mask to to take advantage Mm -hmm. of that you know um i get that but in terms of police brutality no i don't get that whatsoever Mm -hmm. um you know, so I don't really can't. I just it's a struggle for me to understand. Yeah, and I think like the whole like our attention span being short, but and I feel like us being like on social media, it mm-hmm. kind of like I think it's a good platform for our short attention span. I mean, it contributed definitely to our short attention span, but. Like everyone wants information and like they want it now, they want it now. It's like, well, you have all basically all the information now. Like we have so much information that we didn't have even back in like two thousand fourteen when the whole like Ferguson trial like happened and that whole case happened. Like we have so many so many more resources now and so much of like just the system in place but still messed up is exposed and has been exposed and calling it out and I think our short attention span has kind of benefits and its shortfallings of course yeah yeah so I think it um I think as a kind of piggyback on what you're saying mm-hmm. so, yeah, almost every story I see almost every post has something to do with institutionalized racism. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. But I, and I also think that because of our sort of sp- attention spans, it's like we're, it's like, it's kind of like being, it's like we're being oversaturated with it, but it's mm-hmm. the, the information we're being oversaturated with is good and important. Mm-hmm. So it's like anything for people to take their time and just, I, I would say, just keep striving to learn. Um, just like you're doing, um, keep striving to learn definitely, but, um, yeah, uh, it's, 
I think use social media as just like a a, a first step, because I think that's vital. But I think if you really want to get into the Indian gritty, do academic papers. Mm-hmm. Like search up, read academic papers because they have it's more detailed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like there's even one paper I found today. I can even send it to you. Mm-hmm. I've only read like one section of it, but mm-hmm. I, it's it's actually pretty interesting. It talks about redlining. And, I was just um, about to bring that up, so that's so funny. Oh, cool. What were you about to say about redlining? Oh, cool. No, I was just because I didn't know what it was until like actually until actually like last night. I heard it on some. I was think I was watching a YouTube video or something, and they just dropped that term, and I I didn't know what it was. So, like how I just said, we have so much information like at our fingertips. I just plugged it into Google, and I found out exactly what it was. And it's mm. just when you think you kind of like cover everything you're like okay nothing else can be so discriminatory every literally every aspect of oh my gosh yeah. life is discriminatory like <laughs> yeah it, wow. it always starts with housing i think housing is so important mm-hmm. because that is oh that's that's the most basic way of getting wealth for any family yeah. so yeah um so what did you so what have you what have you understood about redlining? Uh, I didn't honestly go like too deep into like the nitty gritty because it was when I searched it, I just was kind of searching for like the definition to get a basic gist of what it was to understand more. Mm. And basically like just how basically the best analogy I could come up with, just being how like obsessed with dogs I am and uh-huh. human beings is like when you go out and you want to like rent or lease a new apartment or a new place, whatever it may be. And in some of the, like the fine print or not even fine print, like it might be bold in and saying how, if you have like a pit bull or a Roddy or a box or mm-hmm. any of those breeds, just because they're those breeds and classified under that, that you can't rent out that house or that mm-hmm. apartment or whatever, because you have that, that dog, you have that pit bull, you have that Roddy. And without knowing anything else of their background, it's just you look at them and you're like, oh, you can't be here because you have a quote unquote dangerous dog. Yeah. And that's kind of what I related redlining to. That's the best analogy I could come up with in my head without jumping. I think that's a pretty good, definition. I think that's a good analogy right there. Yeah. Um, I mean, to those listening that are not familiar with redlining, it's basically what happened. Basically, it's basically when, um, well, Redlining is a way to label a neighborhood. I think there's three category categories. Um, there's redlining, there's red redline neighborhoods, yellow line, and green line. I think green is the most prestigious. Um, most redline neighborhoods are predominantly black and brown, and they're usually to be considered a redline neighborhood. They have to um, uh, let's see, um, low property value. Um, usually high in crime rates, and usually the like the district schools that are near those red line neighborhoods are usually um poor quality schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like when people, you know, try to get loans, say they want to move out of the neighborhood for into another house, um, it's kind of hard for them because that's what banks are looking for where you're from and also of course 
the, the amount of credit you have. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really horrible, and I think it's really interesting too because um, I think since the seventies, it has no longer been um, legal to discriminate someone, prevent someone from getting a house on the basis of their race, mm-hmm. but they did not say on the basis of their class. And of course, race and class still are interconnected, are connected with each other. So it's very interesting how people have managed to find, banks have managed to find loopholes to this. Um, you know, some people say not necessarily the government's fault, but you know, if the government had more regulation of those banks and they made sure their housing discrimination policies were more specific, they wouldn't it wouldn't let it wouldn't let the banks find loopholes to it so you know it's really the government's fault it's it's the government's responsibility too for stuff like this Mm -hmm. but i still think your analogy is really dope though i think it's um Mm -hmm. probably the best way that people are going to remember this it's yeah i think it's fantastic um i mean like i don't i don't think it totally defines what my preconceived like notion of redlining was but i'm really thankful that you kind of broke it down more in a way that I I kind of really couldn't. But the whole thing about um, the government and the banks and just not taking action, I think it's just, again, it comes back to the whole outbreak and pandemic of now is that, in my opinion, they're valuing the economy and the health of the economy over the health of actual human beings. Yeah. And I think that that script just really needs to be flipped. And I don't know anyone else who would disagree with me in saying that because it's human lives that should matter the most and not just about money. But yeah. Capitalistic society. So, yeah. That's yeah. Whole- <laughs> I agree. And we could definitely go into that mm-hmm. because I think this is the, that is going to be the very reason why we're going to reopen next semester. Not because it's going to be safe, but yep. because. We, the college students in Bloomsburg, mm-hmm. we are their biggest consumers. Mm-hmm. We're the ones you see at the local barber shops, the local stores. We're the ones we. Oh yeah. We're we're the ones you see at your Bloomsburg fair. Yeah. So sounds literally dead without the college students there. Like yeah, I, from experience, I've been there before it opened, and it was pretty much dead. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's all capitalism and. How can we get more money out of people, no matter yeah. what we're discriminating them again, like for or what their health is like? Like who cares? But we're getting money out of them, and we're getting money. That's really all that matters. That mentality in our country. I'm sick of it too. Yeah. I mean, uh, um, I I feel like when it comes to um, economic systems like capitalism, communism, I, I think every system has merits to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think capitalism is not as critiqued or dissected as much as we should be mm-hmm. cr- critiquing and dissecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just someone today was like, you know, capitalism is the best economic system ever, and anyone that disagrees with that is silly. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, from whom's perspective? Yeah. If you're talking about the working class people, capitalism is, isn't all that great. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so funny because. A lot of people say the reason why people praise capitalism is because you can do whatever you want in terms of what you're selling, who you're selling it to, 
mm-hmm. and I and like the government doesn't have much of a say mm-hmm. in your um business tra- your business transactions. So that's freedom, right? Mm-hmm. But if monopolies are a result of capitalism, and monopolies are the opposite of freedom, um, in a way, like especially just from the consumers' perspectives, the fact that like we have less of a choice on what we what we could buy from. And also just from the workers' perspectives, because um, because the whole idea of capitalism is just the idea that businesses do not there's, there's not much government intervention in businesses, mm-hmm. and you know there's uh, there's more so private sectors. So you know our healthcare insurance, our healthcare um, industry is a private sector for the most part, mm-hmm. and you know like the fact that workers the reason why a lot of people stay in these jobs is because they provide health care insurance mm-hmm. that's not freedom to me because yeah. that's because you're still you can leave of course but it's not smart for anyone to leave mm-hmm. if they don't have um health care already mm-hmm. so you know capitalism isn't all what people make it seem to be anyway and mm-hmm. i think i want to make it seem as if i'm biased on promoting a certain ideology but I would definitely recommend everyone, black and white, to read the Communist Manifesto. Because um, even if you disagree with what, with the idea of communism, um, I definitely think you can understand. You can definitely understand um, the critiques of capitalism and how isolating it can be from a worker's perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's how I see it. Yeah. I think it's really like the best way I can describe it is like capitalism is basically like for the working class is just mm-hmm. kind of like a rat race in a sense. Like you're mm-hmm. stuck in a job, like how you said, like the people are just stuck in a job that like they could leave, but they don't because they get benefits and health benefits. And if they mm-hmm. do get health benefits in their job, which I mean, I'm not fully well versed in the whole healthcare the whole drama behind that either so i can't really speak yeah. much on that but i know mm-hmm. it's kind of polluted and it's kind of just a another misconstructed system that's in place to benefit the more wealthy people and put mm-hmm. those who aren't as wealthy or aren't as privileged like kind of like more down in the dumps so yeah i'm i'm not too well versed with it either i mean mm-hmm. like but I think what you're saying, though, isn't, you know, far, too far from being accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I think America, I think it's so frustrating to be someone, to be a working class American, because I feel like ever since it started, it's always been from the perspective of a wealthy person. Mm-hmm. Um you know, just like, what do you think of just the idea of America being some sort of meritocracy where it's like, if you, oh, if you lift yourself from the bootstrap, you are going to get by without any obstacles down the line. Like, what do you think about stuff like that? Do you think that's like misguided? Do you think there's some truth to what I, they're saying? I, I understand like building up, I guess like building up from your bootstraps and like kind of creating like what you want to create. But I mm-hmm. think there's just a sole focus now on just the whole money aspect and we're just a very money hungry country and Mm -hmm. we're just solely driven like by money like how i've said and Mm -hmm. and it's just uh, 
I think it's just they place again they place money over people and money yeah. over people's happiness. And then if you look at states, not states, other countries who I I forget the color like there's a whole color map somewhere or something that shows like what countries or continents are like the happiest and mm. in terms of like just their living style and a lot of them they don't they're not they don't focus on just soul solely money because again that just spirals you into a rat race and when you die mm. are you really going to be focusing on how much money you have in your bank account or are people really uh -huh. going to praise you for how much money you have in your bank account because uh -huh. i really don't think people will and we're just constantly chasing after this like prestigious like money but it's never enough and i think that's kind of how our country looks at things is like oh we're we have we got to this point we'll be happy but no or no it's like never enough we have to keep striving and striving and striving for yeah money. so we've seen it even when just um we've seen it with the westward expansion we've seen mm -hmm. it with just um you know the early 1900s with imperialism just the fact that we had to conquer um i think i believe cuba um i'm not sure other countries but mm -hmm. speaking of countries the country that you said were the happy do you remember which countries um, um, I Sweden sticks in my head for some reason. Okay. I feel like Sweden was up there, and I feel like Norway was up there. And mm -hmm. yeah, but I I had a friend who visited Sweden, and I can definitely see that that one being on the list. So I mm -hmm. feel like that that one's at the probably one of the more happier countries. Okay. Not country. Yeah, country. Yeah. That's but, interesting. Yeah. Um. But anyway, like going, going back to the whole topic of everything going on in the world, like racism, like how is it in the area that like you live in? Is anything like prominent happening or is it kind of still everyday life? Just there's this like overwhelming, like there's kind of just a elephant in the room, if you want to put it that way. Like how I would it? definitely say it's, it's, the, it's the latter. It's more of like, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would say for me, I'm pretty privileged in the sense where it's like, um, you know, I grew up for the most part in a middle-class home mm -hmm. in, in a middle-class neighborhood. It was very diverse, still diverse mm -hmm. um, racially and culturally. So I don't see it as much, mm -hmm. but um, honestly, um, honestly, in, in general, the only time I've really encountered racism, like overt racism, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it was really like when I was in high school and in uh high school and middle school but yeah it's really interesting because um and it wasn't even just like negative things on the surface it was mm -hmm. so not over in that sense where it was like it, I think only one time I've heard someone say something over it mm -hmm. but it was still like it was really weird I remember one time I was talking to my good buddy Mm -hmm. um, we were watching like um, the basketball team practicing, mm -hmm. and um, I just remember uh, he talked about how some of them were they were jocks, so they were just kind of like assholes. <laughs> and I just remember him saying, "Like you know, Ray, you're not a nigger like them." And I was like, "Whoa, yeah. whoa!" And um, it's like that's I was very surprised when he said that. Mm -hmm. um, besides that like growing up and just being in Philly in general it's more so just like backhanded compliments like mm -hmm. you talk very differently Ray King you're not like the other like the others and it's like thanks I guess yeah um kind of stuff like that yeah but 
that's how I see it though. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of right now though, mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen much um, because I well, I haven't been going out much. Yeah. I guess like I've been so focused on just recovering that I've kind of like, and just not just staying inside the house and just haven't been like in, encountering much racism. Mm-hmm. But I do know there are still protests going on. Yeah. Um, in Philly, I know that like a lot of um, the opposition are using going to a lot of dirty tactics, just mm-hmm. you know, um, shooting them in the eye with rubber bullets. Um, you know, but in terms of just like racism now in Philly from an institutional level, mm-hmm. I haven't studied that recently. So to give you a good answer, but yeah, I hope that I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, I think it just really shows how how different like. Like you, you, you said you like you haven't been out, but like you, you might like not know. It might be like the next town over might be one of these protest towns or like the next city over. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just like a scary time, and how you said they're just taking. I feel like I I thought about this earlier today when I was listening to some more podcasts about just the police brutality and how they're responding to the protest, and they're kind of just putting they're just fighting fire with fire at this point. Mm-hmm. And like, there's literally like video evidence of them doing this. And I don't know why they continue to somewhat pretty much get away with it and think that they can do it when they know that literally every human being has a smartphone on them and has a capability to record them doing these actions. And I don't understand where they get the audacity to go up to other human beings and perform these insane inhumane actions like tear gas shooting them in the eye with rubber bullets just like push like forcefully pushing them out when they're peacefully protesting and mm-hmm. then it gets misconstrued in the media when they when the people who the protesters fight back because what what's your instinct when someone is do is acting like that upon you your instinct is to fight back Mm-hmm. and not run away which they're thinking that everyone should because again they're put on such a high pedestal they think that everyone should fear them and run from them when they're performing actions that they're that people aren't that our generation and other generations too who are banning with us they're we're not putting up with it anymore and yeah. i think it's just ridiculous and I, I, i've been this whole podcast I've, episode i've just been trying to bite my tongue about talking about Trump because I know I will go off on a whole another tangent and there will be like a three hour <laughs> podcast at that point. So please do. I mean, his, oh my, I, I like, I don't even also know how to put like words to what I, what I feel towards that. Mm-hmm. Without just sounding like jumble. It just doesn't sit well with me. And if it does sit well with anyone, what he's doing, then I really think they need a reality check. And they just mm-hmm. really need to look into what he's actually saying and what actual repercussions will come from it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I agree 100%. Um, I mean, I would say one example that comes to mind is just uh, when he talks about his administration being responsible for more Black people having jobs mm-hmm. and the fact that we should more, we should, we as a Black community should be very grateful for him mm-hmm. because of that. But it's like, what kind of jobs are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you're talking about menial jobs, then yes, that is something. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it doesn't really 
it doesn't really reduce the um the wealth gap between blacks and whites not in the long term Mm -hmm. um not in the short term either yeah so it's like you know when he talks about these things we shouldn't get too complacent and make it seem as if you know he's doing us this magical favor even when he talks about just the economy i know a lot of a lot of his supporters say well at the end of the day whether you disagree agree disagree with him what he's doing for the economy is great no it's not what he's doing for himself is great when most politicians say the good they're doing it doesn't capture the whole picture mm-hmm. you know but what were you about to say though oh i was just saying how bouncing off how you said that he's benefiting the economy so much and how people were saying he's benefiting the economy when really he's not he's just benefiting himself pretty much yeah yeah and this whole thing it took him three days i think to actually speak out about the state of the world and the protests and everything and it had to take till the protest got so bad that it was impacting somewhere near the white house for him to actually speak out about it mm. and not just address it in a tweet mm-hmm. that if you don't I don't know what he, it was like, I don't know what he said exactly in his tweet, but saying how he's going to basically send out military and armed troops if, or National Guard or whatever, whatever term, Mm -hmm. take action, take forceful and violent action if governors of the states don't take action themselves. When these protests began as, and continue to be peaceful protests, they only turn into violent acts when police brutality comes into play again. And what are they protesting? They're protesting police brutality. So yeah. just going back to saying how they're fighting fire with fire and they're not really doing, they're not putting themselves in a better spotlight at all. If anything, they're just, they're, they're just blowing it up even more and putting more yeah. onto them. And he's also forgetting that like, you know, um, we're having we have infiltrators in the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, mm-hmm. People that are looting and rioting, just not only for personal gain. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I actually know quite a few people that are that have looted in Philly just for like, you know, just for personal shit, like basic shit, like shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very disappointed, but I understand. I mean, after thinking about, it, I was like, maybe I'm saying that from a place of privilege, but that's a whole nother topic, though. Yeah, yeah. But um with you know i've heard antifa getting involved i've heard um yeah heard antifa getting involved i've heard white supremacists getting involved i've heard cops that don't have their badges on that are undercover cops Mm -hmm. Um, quote-unquote undercover yeah quote-unquote undercover cops um trying to make the movement look bad because this has happened so many times before throughout um, american history Mm -hmm. whenever you know um there is a movement going on Mm-hmm. We will see the opposition masquerade as their enemies mm-hmm. to make them look bad. Um, yeah. I think the most, well, not the most recent, I'm sure there's other examples, but the most example I'm most familiar with mm-hmm. is what happened with the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. Um, FBI infiltrators to destroy them from the inside out. Um, mm-hmm. and, oh, by the way, to everyone listening, I would definitely say if you want to learn more about just racial equality and just how people's approaches have changed over the years definitely watch the article on the black panther party i think they are so underrated and understated when, mm-hmm. when we look at american history they've done so much for people 
mm-hmm. but we don't recognize their contributions to society. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, just ranting. Just want to kind of plug them in because <laughs> no, I fine. I love the Panthers, especially love Fred Hampton. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but what were you about to say though? Um, I kind of I kind of forget. There's so many topics, but just going off about like education and like resources, I'll kind of like wrap it up with talking about that aspect of it. But I know one I kept. Um, I kept seeing the book right, White Fragility. Yeah. And I did just order that. So I'm excited to get my hands on that. And people say that's a really, a really good and really informative read. And so I'm excited to get my hands on that and some podcasts. Um, I've been listening to Pod Save America, Pod Save mm. the People. Um, what a Day is a really good one they really mm. break it down in like a sense that they're short episodes, shorter episodes. For me, they're short. They're like 35, 40 ish minutes. Oh, not bad. Okay. I really, that one's really, really good. And mm-hmm. yeah, they're definitely, it's definitely a different whole different genre of podcasts that I'm typically comfortable listening to. But again, mm-hmm. like going back to the beginning and making it full circle, it's like, we have to just get comfortable with being uncomfortable about topics like this. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, Honestly, when it comes to just doing your research and just broadening your horizons, mm-hmm. what is the biggest thing that you took you took away? You've taken away with learning stuff like this. Like, oh god, what really changed your perspective? That's a heavy question. Oh god, I don't know. Like one thing, I don't. I don't. Honestly, I don't really know. I think just it's, it's such a like conglomeration of everything and just seeing how discriminatory this country like really is and how divided this country is when mm-hmm. like so many of us are just blind to think like thinking that everything's like fine and dandy in our lives and one thing that I really like thought about this morning too was that I was like I've just been like I don't know how much is a good amount like to consume of social media at this point, like with a topic Mm -hmm. like this, because Mm -hmm. it's just like a cycle of like, I consume everything and I get like educated and then I feel like I need like a break from it. But then Mm -hmm. I feel guilty for feeling like I need a break from this because people of color and people who, who are affected by this every day can't just say, Oh, Hey, I need a timeout. I need a break from this yeah but that's another mm-hmm. one of my privileges and then I feel guilt over that so I don't really know how to measure that out and come to terms with that so that's something I'm kind of like wrestling with right now that's that's fair yes. I, I think well from my perspective um of course I don't I don't speak on every black person for mm-hmm. every black person but um I think that because you have to kind of approach it this kind of stuff as a concept, right? Something you're learning in school because that's something you're not really familiar with. It's, you know, it's like, yeah, it's something that we have to go through, mm-hmm. but even we still prefer not to always talk and discuss about it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's actually, it, just, it kind of reminds me, like, I remember just thinking to myself, like, and talking to my friends about this months ago, like, mm-hmm. you know, why is conscious rap? not as popular as say party rap and so on. And it's like, because what they're talking about pertains to us. 
Mm-hmm. It should be at least. It should be describing the black experience. But um, it's like I remember someone was like, "Yo, if you are so used to living a certain way, you're not always gonna want to hear about it." So that just shows mm-hmm. that like it's even tiring for us that experience that kind of shit. Yeah. So true. I don't blame you at all for being like, this is kind of getting overwhelming. You know, yeah. take a breather um, and try to, because the goal is to learn. Yeah. And learning is not an overnight process. I don't expect anyone to become the most conscious person. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, we should, no one should put that much expectation on themselves mm-hmm. because one, it's high. And mm-hmm. two, is disingenuous, in my opinion. It's a, it's a continuous process. Mm-hmm. But, of course, even though it's continuous, you will have to start taking breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think it's good because you don't have to keep learning because I feel like that's also, it's also, I think that can be also, that can also be dangerous because you see, like, I've met a lot of, you know, advocates, a lot of allies over the years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while I appreciated all their intentions, I felt like there was always something I noticed that was wrong. And maybe I'm complaining a lot. They're like, oh, man, you guys complain about white people, but be not being apathetic. But when they're being allies, you're already complaining about them. Maybe I'm being a piece of shit right now and just compl- being cynical. But from my perspective, mm-hmm. I think what goes wrong with, like, a- allies is that they become either knowledgeable without being empathetic mm-hmm. or they become empathetic without being knowledgeable mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so it's like in the past few weeks i've seen both mm-hmm. i'm different people but i've seen like just an imbalance yeah in general so it's like and i think you know to everyone listening that wants to be a better ally you know when you're not learning more about institutionalized racism when you're not trying to understand the nuances of it how about you talk to people of color directly and ask them about how they feel mm-hmm. or even just checking in on them yeah and exactly. just seeing how they're dealing with everything how they're taking everything in to me that's a good break exactly. if you still wanted to do something mm-hmm. you know that means just as much that's just as important as doing research yeah um you, you know so i I hate to, I do this a lot where it's like um, quoting like fictional characters, but you know, sometimes there is some truth to what they be saying. Yeah. Like you ever seen Boy Boy Meets World? Oh yeah. I love that show. Oh my God. Mm, Me too. Me too. Like one of my favorite shows. So of course you remember Mr. Feeney, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember Mr. Feeney had compared Eric to his roommate Mm -hmm. or his best friend. Mm -hmm. Um. And I just, he said, you know, I, I'm not sure if it was Eric or someone else. He said, uh, I think he said, Eric has a good heart, but not a good mind. Mm-hmm. This other person has a good mind, but not a good heart. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, wow. You know, th- I'm like, to really, I watched when I was 13, this episode when I was 13. I rewatched it. I was like, wow. To be a really good person, you have to have both. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, and I think that, and ever since then, I've tried to apply that in all aspects of my life. So yeah. even being an ally. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I kind of think. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely don't put too much pressure on yourself, Casey. I yeah, mean, I, mean, I mean, that's just the general, that's just the nature of who I am. 
So yeah, I get it too because I do that as well. You know, yeah. I, I, I see. I think most people that aspire to always that always aspire to be better mm-hmm. will naturally have that. You know, mm-hmm. for but, sure. So I definitely respect where you're coming from. Yeah, I think, I think that was definitely a a good little quote to end on for Mr. Feeney <laughs> taking advice from Mr. Feeney. Oh yeah, yeah. Mr. Um, Beanie or Mr. Feeney? I forgot his name. Mr. Feeney, yeah. Mr. Feeney, yeah. Yeah, oh God, that show just brings me back. I love that show so much. Me too, (laughs) me too. I, um, I think it was, it was that show and is that show and Zach and Cody, I will always Mm -hmm. fondly remember it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Those are classics. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, also, yeah, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely send you the article, yeah. you know, after we're done talking and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't want you to have to go into any depth to find resources to have to educate others, because I feel like that's another whole other, like, topic that is just, like, I don't feel like it should be on, like, pressure of people of color and, like, to educate us. Like, I feel like they should be a resource, but they shouldn't be out there just educating us and handing us like everything that they've done for research like we have to do our own research kind of so oh i definitely agree yeah i definitely so i mean if you have any handy definitely send them over so i'm willing to take for sure for sure um i'm actually doing it also for me too because it's like you know here's the thing even though i'm black Mm -hmm. i have still yet to grasp everything there is to racism Mm -hmm. And I think that's beautiful in a weird way. It's like, there's so much stuff to process and take in. Yeah. That, you know, even black people have to learn. Yeah. Um, you know how many times I've seen, I've heard black people say all lives matter. Um, oh my <laughs> God, like, really? Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. Oh, damn. I've heard, I've, um, there's actually quite a few celebrities that talked about, black, black celebrities have kind of, not blamed the black community, but they're saying, you know, it's really how you guys act. That's the reason why you guys get shot. That's your, basically their whole argument. So it just shows you ignorance is everywhere. Yep. Um, yep. Basically. And it kind of reminds why, me of, what were you about to say? I said, that's why I made, I don't know if you saw, I've made a couple of um, pieces on Instagram. I've been painting, doing activist painting, because that's what I do. <laughs> uh-huh. And I made one and it just says, I got the like the quote of ignorance is bliss and then I have yeah. it crossed out with lack of education put instead on it because mm. it's pretty much what it is. Ignorance isn't bliss at this point. Ignorance is just you're not educated. Yeah. So Yeah. Um Oh my gosh, yeah, I definitely agree. That's why it's like I think I get kind of frustrated sometimes when I see people um even just like not any shade to certain people, mm-hmm. um, but I met a lot of black Christians. Mm-hmm. So I know I know a black Christian online you know, that talks a lot about just, you know, he, he acknowledges that this issue is severe mm-hmm. and it's disheartening to watch. But his messages are usually to, you know, just have faith in God. And mm-hmm. in a way, I feel like in a way he's kind of shielding himself from being involved. Yeah, he's kind of putting his Christian identity ahead of his black identity, mm-hmm. and so like, and I'm like, just the fact that you're saying that kind of shows ignorance to me, mm-hmm. because it's like, I bet you you don't really you're not really doing research on 
you know, red line. The, I think just the way he frames it all as yeah. if police brutality and overt racism is the only obstacle that black people go through. Just the fact that you're only talking about that aspect. Yeah. And it just kind of shows that, like, you don't know much yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's okay. We're all ignorant. Yeah. Being ignorant is being, there's nothing wrong with being ignorant. There's only something wrong with being willfully ignorant, which just means you're stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, so be ignorant all you want. Ask questions, even if it sounds silly or stupid. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's as long as we're able to get a meaningful dialogue out of those um, questions, we're mm-hmm. Gucci. Yeah. But to get back to that Christian guy, though, it's kind of like you're saying all this shit just to kind of absolve you from understanding, dealing with your plight as a black man. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't get, I can't get with that. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Um, when it comes, and I think this is a, another, you know, just as an outsider, since you're an outsider, mm-hmm. I think this is another issue that we have within the Black community. Mm-hmm. And not to make it seem like this, this is not to give conservatives or people that are skeptical of institutionalized racism as more fuel, like, oh, it's you guys, that's the problem, not us. <sighs> it does not, that does not absolve the conservatives at all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't observe law enforcement. But I think an issue that we have in Black community is that we're very divided. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're not monoliths. We should embrace our differences. Mm-hmm. But it gets to a certain point where it's like, you feel like you are absolved from the rest of the Black plight, from the rest of the Black people in their plights because of either your, your class mm-hmm. or your religion. Mm-hmm. I've seen that shit with Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne once said, you know, um, I can't critique. I can't critique police brutality because one time a police a policeman sh- saved my life after I shot myself. Mm-hmm. He took me to the hospital, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, that's touching that a white man did that for you." But it doesn't mean that that shows for everyone else. Yeah. You know, don't let your money blind you from what's going on with the rest of the people. Exactly. You know, so that's what I get very annoyed with. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that being said, because some of these people have become so apathetic. Mm-hmm. It kind of sickens me when we put them still on high pedestals in our community. Yeah. I don't, at this point, I don't give a fuck what ASAP Rocky says because of what he said about Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. a few years ago. I don't give a fuck about what Lil Wayne says. And I don't actually don't give a fuck about what any celebrity says mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. because even if they agree, mm-hmm. because it's like they're not truly dealing with the people's struggles. I mean, yes, in the end of the day, we're all Black. You know, so it's like, you're, you're still going to be looked at in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you truly can't capture their perspective anymore because you're not part of that group. It's kind of like what you, what you and I were talking about the last time I was here, mm-hmm. of just like how disingenuous it is for rich people, for celebrities to tell people what to do about quarantine. Mm-hmm. Oh, stay home, guys. Stay, you know, stay safe and do all this and that. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you have the access to do that. I can't. Yeah. I still have to work. Yeah. So, you know, kind of just connecting it back to that. Sorry for ranting, but... No, you're fine. That, you're fine. <laughs> so, that is so annoying to me, Casey, honestly. Yeah. Um, I just, I think, to kind of, like, to kind of boil it all down, I just hate apathy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have no room for it. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, we have to really recognize how connected we are. Mm-hmm. You know, racism affects y'all, too, in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, like... Another disparity that we have is healthcare. Um, there's, you know, black people 
statistically speaking, have less access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. And why that's important? Just take this outbreak for in- for instance. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that like, you know, if you don't have um, a healthcare insurer, mm-hmm. um, say if you start to get, say if you contact the coronavirus, mm-hmm. you're most likely not going to get a get get to a doctor, mm-hmm. or get to one immediately because you don't have healthcare insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, because you're not getting checked, you are still going to be a danger to everyone around you. Mm-hmm. So, it's like. And this is why a lot of people are connecting the outbreak to institute or saying this shows a lot of institutionalized issues. Mm-hmm. If we had, if everyone had free healthcare, maybe the issue wouldn't be as severe. Maybe, maybe it would be easier to spread where the virus is going. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it yeah. all connects back. Yeah. It all affects each other. Yeah. But that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, I have one question for you though. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of you know. I know a lot of people. Are, um, a lot of allies are asking about this. Mm-hmm. But what if you had to talk to the black community right now? Mm-hmm. What what question would you ask them? Um, bringing really powerful questions here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry um, about that. No, you're okay. Um, I think just like how I said before about when, like, what they see the line as for being when like allies like me come to a friend like like you and ask you for information or just like try like they kind of come to you i the term the term tokenism comes up a lot that's another term that i've recently i didn't i wasn't really aware of and kind of use it for that and be like where is the line drawn between asking what can I do to help or checking in and being just checking in on them and coming to them just solely like as a resource and be like, just tell me what you know, kind of like a mentor kind of thing, which it, you, it shouldn't yeah. be looked at as that, in my opinion, at least. Like we have yeah. again, everything at our fingertips. We can do our own research. Like, yeah. so I guess kind of I would just yeah just hash out about where the line is drawn kind of between that because that's something i'm kind of back and forth with yeah no i i think that's a very fair question mm-hmm. um i think it's a very appropriate question with everything going on mm-hmm. um to answer it i would say as long as you know when you are reaching out to them and asking them questions you also mm-hmm. just ask them ask them about personal questions too about you know how are you doing or how are you navigating through this Mm-hmm. like I feel like the same stuff you would ask your family mm-hmm. when you guys discuss racism is the same thing you should ask people of color too because you know everyone I also think we have to remember that like yes institutionalized racism is one thing that most black people will encounter and may encounter black people in different black who may encounter in different ways mm-hmm. and will be affected and they will have a different outlook on it Mm-hmm. So I guess when you are asking them about these things, don't say, be open, mm-hmm. of course, but in the back of your mind, say this, only, this may just reflect one aspect mm-hmm. of the Black perspective, quote unquote, because I don't think there really is a homogenous, there's a singular perspective 
mm-hmm. when it comes to black people and racism. It's, you know, for instance, like I use Lil Wayne as an example. Mm-hmm. Lil Wayne has a different perspective than I do on police brutality, right? Because, you know, he's a black man from Louisiana mm-hmm. that, you know, became an entertainer at the age of 13, mm-hmm. became wealthy at a young age, and had a good experience with a cop. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's not going to say, think the same thing as me. So I guess also just talking to different pe- people of color while still just checking out for their well-being, I think that is how you can, that's how you know you haven't crossed that line where you're just looking at them as only a resource. All right. Yeah, that makes total sense. That's how I see it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, um, I, I guess, and that's another thing too, is like, I have to do that too, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, Black people aren't, aren't the only group that's suppressed. Mm-hmm. We also have Asians, we have Latinos, mm-hmm. members of the LGBT community, um, women, all women. Mm-hmm. So honestly, the only group that's not really oppressed because of who they are, at least, mm-hmm. are basically white, middle to upper class men. Yep, basically. Basically. Let's so running think, our country. Yeah. Look who's always been running our country. Yep. So, that kind of brings it all full circle. Yeah, yeah. Like I think yeah, for sure. Like I think to put it in perspective is kinda like just the fact that the constitution is only written we have so much identities now, Casey. Mm-hmm. Think, and just to think that, you know, when this constitution was made. Mm-hmm. It was only written from one perspective. Mm-hmm. That should really take a look at ourselves and say, yo, we should really be more empathetic towards people. Yeah. Because none of us were considered even people mm-hmm. um, when the Constitution was made. Mm-hmm. Um, women, uh, minor- racial minorities, fuck it, religious minorities. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think this is a good time to really be united, mm-hmm. as cliche as it sounds. Yeah. But I'm just not sure what's going to happen, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. So I think this was a really good chat, and I'm really glad I got the chance to talk to you again about this. So uh, My pleasure being here. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. So, like, it was a great chat. So very thankful. And, again, hopefully you come back on again, like I said, like, next time, hopefully, like, in person sometime. So Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on.